And so we started in the sea of no's getting yeses. And so these like small yeses came with like a million and a half more no's. We didn't work in gaming before. We knew zero people basically. Slowly, I think we've proved that you can't design a sweatshirt to game in. You can be nice as a brand and gamers will pay for a product they believe in. Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of the Hansei Podcast, the show where we talk to people within the esports industry to learn about their start and the journey they took to get to where they are now. First of all, I want to say Happy New Year's and I hope that 2021 turns out to be an amazing year for all of you listening. Today's guest is Rachel Feinberg. She is the CEO of Ateo, an esports apparel company that she co-founded alongside her best friend, Brienne. They are an amazing example of combining hard work with their passions to make a living, while also providing a huge value to the esports and gaming industry. I'm honored to have the opportunity to share Rachel's story, and I hope you all enjoy. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hi, my name is Rachel, and I'm the co-founder of Ateo. I'm really looking forward to talking today. Thank you for coming on to the show. I'm really glad to have you on. I brought you onto the show today to kind of talk about how you got started in this industry, the path that you took, the journey that got you here now. But first, let's talk a little bit about what you've been up to lately. Let's start at the now and then we'll kind of, you know, do like a flashback. So I run this company with my best friend, Brienne, who is sitting next to me working right now. And I think that the now is, I think, really important to reference for in a international pandemic, people have lost their jobs. And so we're doing our best as a brand to show up for our community. Obviously, we make really comfortable clothes that we are so fortunate when people support us. But we also want to be bringing joy to people, excitement, surprise. And so we're really as a brand trying to show up for our community as we're all going through a hard time. And a big part of being a Teo is being human. And as a brand, we want to show up for people when they need us. That's awesome. Oh, what are you guys doing now in terms of like being human, being there for the community? You guys doing yeah. any um, activations, events? So I think very simple. Every Monday, we try to check in with our community, talk to them, see how they're doing. Do you want to talk? Separate from that, we've been doing these things called supply drops. So typically, we sell zip-up sitters through our website. You get a handwritten note, and it's super fun. But when the quarantine started, we realized at first, a lot of people were scared, None of us knew what was going to happen. It was like, if you go to the market, you could die. And it felt mm -hmm. very catastrophic and scary. And we wanted to bring people comfort. So we launched a supply drop that was the comfy drop. So that meant you got a tail products, but you also got a surprise of things. So we brought people this joy, this excitement, and they got like a Dalgona coffee kit, a puzzle, cookies to decorate. So not only were you getting this product you had wanted to buy, but we also brought you some sort of like peaceful, calm, cozy fun, um, right? And we started doing a bunch of supply drops through the quarantine as a way to one, get people in our product, but also to give people something exciting to look forward to. We did one where we bought food from a bunch of different, like two or three months into quarantine, we were all very tired of cooking. There was obviously a big conversation about what it means to be America and all those sorts of things. And we really wanted to celebrate in our community, the people from all over the world. And so we bought a bunch of different snacks from all different local markets, from a Thai market, a Mexican market, an Israeli market, all sorts of communities. And basically, you got a snack drop. So you got a tail product plus a bag of chips from Israel, a bar of chocolate from Thailand. So all different things that brought joy to you and then also supported our community. So we've been doing supply drops like this and trying really thoughtfully, how do we show up for the community? We also realize not everyone can buy the product. There's fun ways to talk about international snacks that you don't have to pay for. So we create lists of like really funky, cool snacks that maybe to Americans seem really like crazy ideas. Which would you want to try? Which is your favorite? Which sounds the best? Which have you had? And so really giving people, even if they're unable to shop with us right now, a way to engage and kind of give them a sense of adventure if that was what we were trying to achieve. And so really building things that are free as well as, the, as things to buy that really address what people need right now. Because what people were looking for a year ago is really different than what they're looking for today. Wow. I mean, I know I loved y'all before, but like, this is amazing. That's, that's really great. And did you, did you come up with the idea? Was it the community effort that decided to like think about these international snacks and all of the stuff that you guys were doing? We run a business and we have to sell product to exist as a business. That's reality. In February, March, I guess, when this started, we were scared. Are we going to exist next month? So many people have lost their jobs. How do I then sell them sweatpants? 
or sitters. And so I think we were really thinking, what do people want? What do we want? And what would make someone have a fun few hours or kind of an escape and something unique to discuss in a more positive light? And so I think that we really, Brianne and I, and we have an employee, Jessica, talked a lot about what people were looking for. We worked through a bunch of ideas. And the first supply drop we had come up with, and we saw like an overwhelming amount of support. And then when people received their boxes, they were like overflowing with joy. Then we realized this is something that's really interesting to people, but we kept trying to be really current. So like, what do you need today versus what you needed in March and what you're going to need in November or December is going to be different because we're going through something that like no one has gone through, let's say. So I think we try to be really human and we definitely love customer feedback. So when people got their boxes and they loved the Dalgona coffee, which at the time was very popular on TikTok, but maybe not everyone was going to buy sugar and instant coffee. But that's a really fun way to like participate in what's happening, feel like a community and also get a fun, tasty surprise. So I think those sorts of things we started with the supply drop and then based on feedback, based on what people loved is where we kind of evolved. I'm really happy that you're a company that listens to the customers. I think there are a lot of times where that doesn't happen and it feels very um, cold or disconnected, at least from the customer standpoint. And, yeah. and this is really great. What do you guys um, keep in contact with the customers? Do you guys have like a Discord? Do you guys do it through forums? So during quarantine is when the first time we really doubled down on building our Discord and focusing on it. We're super excited and everyone watching should join. Um, I'll get to Discord after. We actually love talking to customers. I'm so glad you brought that up. We have phone calls with customers all the time. We love to hear feedback. Our DMs are open, our business and our personal, and we always want to hear feedback. We love glowing reviews. We also like feedback like, I didn't like the zipper. So for example, our zippers on our sitters, we've gone through three different zippers. I think now four actually with this new production. But the idea that like, we don't think we're perfect. We don't think our products are perfect and we always want to get better. So if someone's taking the time or has bought a product and is now taking the time to give us feedback, we are so thankful. And obviously we listen, we try to digest, you know, is this a problem one person's having? Is everyone telling us this? And then as a business, try to respond in a really thoughtful way. So I know quarantine might've changed everything. I'm not sure if you had three, um, three people working um, before the quarantine, but like, how has the roles shifted? I'm assuming uh, like everyone does a little bit of everything, right? The team is just me, Brianne, and our employee, Jessica, who's been with us since the very beginning. Um, everyone does everything. We obviously have specific tasks, but no one is above packing orders, writing customer notes, handling customer feedback, taking out the trash. I think we all do a lot of everything. We all care so deeply about what we're building. And so we take a lot of pride in what we do, but we're definitely a startup and there's definitely a lot of work for all of us. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, what's the biggest challenge, but I'm guessing it's just like trying to get everything done. You guys are a very popular brand. A lot of people love you. Obviously, your community loves you, but trying to keep up with that demand is um, it's a little tough, you know? I think we also, I would say the challenge is we try to do things like our way or the, what we think is the right way. That's not always the easiest way. Our products... Now it's more popular for gaming apparel to be $88 for a hoodie. But when we started, we feel really strongly about the people like paying living wages to the people that make our clothes. We make all of our clothes in the US. So those sorts of decisions cost us as a brand more money and we need to charge for that. But we also don't make as much because of it. And so making those decisions while financially, they're maybe not the right decision. Um, ethically and as a brand, we think they're definitely the right decision. I, I know your journey as you started, you had to go talk to a lot of people. You probably had to ask around a lot for advice, opinions, and input. Did you have did you ever have people tell you that you were like doing things the wrong way? All the time. I think for the first year straight, we, every answer was no. So we start we were living in New York and we had gotten involved in the local gaming scene in Flushing Queens. And I had played games. I had no idea what esports was. I didn't know what Twitch was. This was like probably now four and a half, five years ago. So now with Fortnite, with all these big games, gaming is more mainstream, I would say. At the time, it wasn't. And we started going to local gaming cafes, particularly one in Flushing, Queens. And they had held a lot of League of Legends tournaments. And we were like, the games are amazing. 
the like infrastructure is obviously a lot to be improved, but are amazing. And the players don't accept subpar game or updates or anything like that. If a character's imbalanced, they're very upset. And so we were like, but the clothes aren't designed for this lifestyle. The clothes are poor quality and they're not building like an identity for the community. They're game IP on a low quality t-shirt. And we thought you could make clothes that'll make you a better gamer. They'll be designed for this lifestyle. They'll be more comfortable. There'll be technical details and they'll really create a brand for the community. And at the time, and we're going to charge for that because we're going to manufacture in the US. It's all going to be made custom from the thread up. That was crazy idea. The fact that you could make a sweatshirt specifically for gaming and charge gamers $88 was like the worst idea everyone and anyone had like ever heard. We, we, we were a joke. We didn't know what we were talking about. And then we started making cuffs because we thought a lot had to do with the sleeve and how you're basically a very early react. Um, thing we picked up on was that people were putting their sleeves up because you can't, there was a seam here and it was uncomfortable and the mm -hmm. sleeve was getting in the way of the PC. So we've been working on our cuffs since basically the very beginning. And we would go to our apartment. I was still working. We would make cuffs on our home sewing machine. On the weekend, we'd bring them back and we'd be like, what do you think? And slowly these like people at the gaming cafe were like, wait, this is making sense. This is way more comfortable. And so we started in the sea of no's getting yeses, which is everyone asks like, why did we decide to keep going? I think it's because people in the beginning slowly started saying yes. And once they understood like what better quality fabric or warm fabric that was also breathable felt like, they were slowly being convinced. And so these like small yeses came with like a million and a half more no's. Um, and we were based in New York. We didn't work in gaming before. We knew zero people basically like a few random childhood friends and whatnot, but no like real relationships in the industry. And we just kind of started from there. And slowly, I think we've proved that you can't design a sweatshirt to game in. You can be nice as a brand and gamers will pay for a product they believe in. Yeah. I also really appreciate how it doesn't feel very stereotypically gamery. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I could wear this out and it looks good. Um, it, it's cool. Where where was the um, where was the turning point? Do you could you like pinpoint exactly when that was? When what? When the, we decided the turning point where people just uh, like were kind of like warming up to it. I think it happened slowly. I think it still happens today. Mm. I think it happened with the thirty people at the PC cafes in Flushing Queens. I think it happened um, once people try a lot. It's definitely if you don't believe and you try in our product, you believe. That's a for sure turning point. But even for like we launched and people are like, this is crazy. You can't make a product to game in. And now those same people own like seven pairs of sitters and buy product to do giveaways because they support us so much. So I think mm -hmm. that everyone comes around eventually. We want to be nice. We, if people don't agree, we want to hear their feedback and how we could be better. So I think that it's a constant discussion. And I think there's a much larger discussion to be had about um, people that are innovating and trying to do something new, not everyone's going to agree in the beginning and we can just do our best, what we think is the best and hopefully evolve to eventually be the best. Yeah. I think a lot of times people think, um, it's like success, like they'll just wake up and, and everyone's <laughs> minds will be changed. Right. But then yeah. as you and a lot of other people that I've spoken to the, the change, the acceptance, the growth is way more gradual. It's Definitely. just, it's just kind of like, you'll wake up and you'll see it, but you're like, oh wait, but when you look at the data, you'll see that it's just over time, little by little, right? Baby yeah. steps. I think it's definitely little steps. I think there's like three steps forward, five back, 10 forward, one back. It's a adventure. I think I wanna be really clear that it's super hard. It's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of, for every yes, there's a lot more no's, which I think everyone says, and you get those no's and you feel like it's over, but I think just keep showing up and every day keep going. And if you really believe in it and you're a good person, I hope it works out. That's what I've bet my life on. So, Hey, I, I like that philosophy. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the challenges you've had as, as, a, as a woman in the gaming yeah. industry um, and, you know, running your own business and doing things that everyone told you was wrong. There seem to be so many roadblocks that you guys have overcome, but I think especially I think this. That the gaming community and people we've met in person, obviously there are some not perfect people, but 
overall game the community once people meet us once they try a product once they realize how much we care how much time we've invested how much we're willing to listen they've been relatively accepting kind and welcoming i think there is a whole other part in that like how do you fund a business and fundraising and what it means to be a woman there and that experience was much more devastating and disappointing than it has been actually building our business and oftentimes even within gaming we are often the only people in a women in a room let's say particularly when you're meeting with executives at games companies and teams. I think it's super exciting that there's more women in leadership roles now and more people of color. And I think that we can only get better because the more perspectives you have, the more interesting and unique um, we can all evolve and the industry can kind of go. Mm. And how have you overcome those challenges? Was it just entirely you three or you got some allies to help you all out? Um, I think that it's definitely important to have allies. I think there are um, oftentimes white men are in positions of power and there's certain guys that have really spoken up for us, that have stood up for us. And it means more than I think they could ever imagine. Um, it's very difficult as a woman sometimes to speak up for what, it, for what you need in that you're gonna be seen as pushy or annoying or aggressive. And so when someone else stands up for you, it has almost more weight and well, that doesn't mean I'm not capable of standing up for myself. I definitely am. But when someone in a position of power kind of puts their position on the line to defend us, it's super helpful as well. Mm. Um, so we, we could definitely, um, you know, I'm just going to ask you, uh, I'm not I don't really know much about the struggles of, of, of women in, mm -hmm. in esports in, in as an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. I, I grew up very like sheltered, if you will. Um, and so lately, I've just been learning a lot about this. I've been trying to educate myself, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's been, damn, it's been, it's been hard and it, it yeah. sucks to hear all these stories. Um, is there anything that you wanted to say personally that you think will really speak to, um, you know, the other, the other women in esports and collegiate esports yeah. that really look up to y'all? Well, that's awesome. You look up to us. We're just humans trying to be good people. I've actually thought a lot about this because we get asked a lot what would you tell female college students? And I think when you give advice, you really want it to be like concrete and something they can actually do. So mm -hmm. one, there's a bunch of discords that are called like women in esports, women of gaming. Um, there's, I have so many of them. And there are a lot of women that are in jobs in gaming and we want more women in the space. We know it will make it better. And we don't want other people to have to like go through what we went through. It's not necessary. And so if you're looking for a job, if you have a resume you want feedback on, if you have an interview you want to prep for, there are women that are in awesome jobs that would love to help you. So I think that's a great place to meet people. And I think that introducing yourself in the server and being active is great, but it's hard for me to then like just reach out to everyone. If you're like, hey, this is my resume, I'm applying for a job here, can I talk? That's, I can give you the time because you've prepared, um, and there's something for us, like a goal we can achieve. So I think that sort of reach out is super wonderful and people are willing to help. The Discord's a great place to start. I think Brienne and I have our DMs open. We're always trying to help. Obviously we're busy, we'll do our very best. And I think that if you have an idea and you believe in it, you kind of got to blindly believe in it and go for it. And then hopefully people will agree with you and kind of respect you for your work. So I think those are great places to start, I hope. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's really, really actionable. Um, yeah. I don't even know how to, to talk about what I just like respect. I, I love how you said the word respect, because I think there needs to be a lot more of that within the industry. Yeah. In general, um, that's because of the nature of like in esports, everyone's very competitive. Right. And so maybe <laughs> we're not so respectful when we're in game. Um, but outside in the industry, everyone's trying to strive for the betterment of, of everybody else. Right. I mean, if this industry does eventually have billions and billions of dollars and players are getting paid a lot and there's so many sponsors and all these things everyone is going to be in a better position and i think we definitely believe that and if this industry wins we all in a sense hopefully we all win it's a lot better than kind of like fighting within the industry and so we definitely want to see this industry grow and believe everyone around us should grow too yeah and I would label y'all as the, as like one of, um, as an endemic 
uh, startup, as an endemic company yeah. within within esports. But there are um, a bunch of non-endemics coming in, yep. you know, wanting to come into the space and have a little fun with us too. But sometimes they don't always take the right approach, and um, we've seen that through through your posts. Um, how yeah. do you like? That's a really weird situation to be in. You know, like it sucks, but also it's like, how do you even respond when another company tries to come in and, you know, not play so nice? Like, how do you how do you react to that? I think at first, so a very big hundred year old brand with, I think, 70,000 employees made a jacket that looks very, very similar to our first product. We have lots of information that would imply they definitely knew who we were, what we were building, all those things. And at first, obviously, you're very disappointed, you're upset, you're kind of angry. And, you know, we've worked so hard. And why has this company that honestly, we look up to done this to us? It's not nice. It's not for the good of gaming, any of those things. And so we really wanted to protect, make sure our business was okay, make sure there wasn't like something that terrible is going to happen to us. And then we felt we wanted to make a statement, but a statement that reflected who we are as a brand. So as a brand, we want to be nice. We want people to take gaming seriously. We want, if a bunch of big apparel brands invest in gaming, invest in innovation, we're all going to be better. That's for sure. So we would love to see these brands activate in really authentic ways, put in the time, support the ecosystem, support the collegiate space. There's a variety of ways these brands can be incredibly valuable to the gaming and esports ecosystem. So we try to give them suggestions on how they could be a great partner to gaming, esports, et cetera. Yeah. Did you, um, was, it, was it hard to reach them? Because I know usually when you have like really big companies, it's just... It's just like a like a maze of 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 ways We've to try actually, to get into contact with them. They have not reached out to us. Mm -hmm. I find that disappointing. I think that there's could have been a great opportunity for a collaboration to work together to kind of make lemonade out of lemons. But unfortunately, we haven't had that opportunity. I think that what we chose to do was tell our story and tell how we had gotten here. And the response we got from the community was incredibly positive. We were so touched. We know we have the best community and we love all the people that support us, but sometimes it feels lonely and like, why are we doing this? Why have we given up everything in our life to do this? And at first, our community engaged on social and they retweeted and they wrote beautiful comments and we were so touched. And then it started spreading outside and even people we've never met. And it was so wonderful. And not only did these people support us, they then bought product at a time when so many people don't have jobs. And so I think that overall, we are so touched, we are so overwhelmed. And I don't know that I could ever put into words the feeling, Brianna and I kind of just sat looking at our website as orders came in. And we had some of the best days we've ever had of sales. And so I think that it gave me a lot of happiness in the community, like the gaming community really showed up for us, they rallied behind us. And that's, we worked to be endemics. We think it's really important to like invest the time to understand. I would say we are an endemic brand. We launched exclusively in esports, Dota, League, Overwatch, and CSGO. That's like where we started. We were very intentional about that. But I think that outside brands can enter the space. It benefits all of us. But we want to see them do it in a really thoughtful and hopefully kind way. Yeah. I, that's kind of how I discovered y'all too. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people in the, you know, my friends in the collegiate space were retweeting it, telling their story. I read the thread. Oh my gosh. It was, it was, it was, uh, I don't know. Like I felt a sense of it, a lot of, a lot of different feelings, all positive, well, you know, thank um, you. for, you know, me always trying to start my own stuff, knowing friends that have started their own stuff. It's not easy. And, and seeing the journey that you went through and seeing how you responded in such a positive way, you know, um, some people would say classy, some people would say positive, but overall it wasn't like you weren't, you weren't like, you, you weren't doing the normal, like, Oh, like F this shit. This is so bad. Like, don't, you know, like you just, you didn't sound angry, but you were like, you know, this is disappointing. I wish things could have been better. Um, this is our journey. This is what we had to go through. You know, we struggled a lot and, and we, you know, we want to be here for everybody. I think, I think that was so cool. Well, Trend thank you. 
<laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how, how I felt because that's just... Sometimes feelings are hard to describe, you know? Sometimes you just feel yeah. good. And it, just, it just feels good. I think we tried. Obviously, it took a lot of work in what we wanted to say. At first, we were very upset and we're humans and disappointed. And we really wanted to say, hey, this is who we are. This is what we did. And this is like upsetting what you did to us. Yeah. And that's a really good segue into, I guess, like the start of your journey. I, I, I would love to hear from, from your perspective, you know, like tweets and pictures can only tell so much. But I, I would love to hear like the start. Of, yeah. of, of how y'all started to create this amazing brand that everyone loves and you have a community that champions um, you guys. So we, Brianna and I met in college and we're both fashion designers by trade. After school, we both designed separately. She moved back to Vancouver and I got, I played games, as I mentioned. I didn't know what esports was and came up with this, like, like someone said it to us and we are like, we got to get involved in the esports scene in New York. I didn't know how else to get involved. I don't know that we even realized the global scale. I think now if you Google esports, you see like billions of dollars and college scholarships and players win $25 million, all these numbers. But like five years ago, that wasn't really the narrative, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so we got involved in the local scene and we were so touched by how passionate people were, how excited they were. And it felt like there was so much room for innovation, to do something new, to set new rules. And coming from traditional fashion where things are real, they're like, it's a very old industry in America. We don't totally believe that the way it's kind of set up makes sense. And we really wanted to kind of write our own rules and build what apparel could look like for basically the next generation. While we definitely started in esports, we would say we're building the lifestyle brand for the future. I mean. Yes, PC gamers would say they're the most serious and all those sorts of things, but everyone is a gamer. Um, we think console gamers are gamers, mobile, mm -hmm. everyone plays games. I and agree. that is where we're going. And everyone will be sitting at a computer sooner or later. Um, COVID just kind of expedited that timeline. But we really believe we're designing clothing for like a tech generation. And we wanted to start in esports. We wanted like the seal of approval from the most competitive people that are sitting at PCs competing for large amounts of money. But on the flip side, we're really building clothing for everyone for the future. Yeah. What was your what was your experience before uh, running your own company? Yeah. So Brienne was one of the four designers at Aritzia, um, which she managed a lot of overseas production right before they IPO'd. It's a Canadian lifestyle women's wear brand. And it's really interesting because they sell also direct to consumer. They have a bunch of stores. So it's a really interesting perspective she has. I design like celebrity and private label clothing. So a bunch of brands where the celebrities like, I have a clothing brand. They come to a company where we come up with the idea. We come up with the name. We design all the products. We handle all the manufacturing. So I learned a lot. And a lot of our clients were menswear brands. And so that was where I started. And so we both had a lot of experience with overseas production and we're like, we want to be able to walk in our factory. And I think what we learned at those jobs really influenced how we've decided to build a tail. Wow. It was like, it was like training. It was yeah. like hardcore training. I mean, for, we were just, yeah, so now. we were fashion designers before. So yeah, I mean, I guess we still are, but that's yeah, they're definitely fashionable. Is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did you, did, did both you and, and Brienne go to school for fashion? Yeah, we actually met at Parsons studying fashion design. Is that, is that a New York school? Sorry. Yeah, I'm it's like... a New York design school. Oh, wow. That's dang. That's so cool. <laughs> that's everything in, in, in your life from like college to now, maybe even before, right. has like revolved around fashion. So you're just, you're just double downing on, on what, <laughs> on what you two really, really love and just playing it up right now. Yeah. I think we've all clothing has a huge power, um, in society and culture and it's really exciting how it changes people's interactions with the world. And I think we've always had this like thesis and we're so excited with kind of building a Teo. Mm -hmm. And and for, for, for building a Teo, right, as a business owner, as a co-founder, um, and obviously you have Brienne too uh, working with you, um, I've learned recently that, and I forgot, I might be butchering this quote, but it's just because you're good at the technical thing you do doesn't mean you're good at the business of that thing. And so did you have to learn a lot? Like, were you already familiar with the business aspect of starting a company from the ground up? Or did you have to do a lot of learning from other people? Did you read books? 
um, you know, what was your information resource? Because business is a whole nother beast. So I would say in college, when you're a fashion designer and you're getting to like spend hours and your senior year, you do a thesis that's like, you just get to design clothes and it's magical. And I remember my thesis teacher saying so clearly, like one in 20 of you will design and 10% of your day will be designed like in five years. And it's totally true. We aren't like just sketching and making samples all day, every day. So we have definitely had to learn the business. Um, prior to Ateo, starting in college, I made a handbag line that then we made clothing. And Brianna and I worked on that on the weekends and nights while she was at Aritzia and I was in New York. So we started to understand and learn things we had no idea about. And I'd say we didn't come from a school where like entrepreneurship is taught and um, starting your own business or direct to consumer even. Parsons is a pretty like old school fashion institution. And so we read a lot, we have podcasts, we've tried to find people that can help us. I would say this year, we've worked really hard to have friends that are also founders and building businesses. And it's so incredibly valuable to, it's great feedback from a lawyer. It's great feedback from someone who's an executive in gaming. It's great feedback from a woman who's built a business, but somebody else who's like understands that some days are amazing, some days are hard. And like, how do you live through this? is really valuable. So we've really focused on building a community of people that can provide us guidance. We can provide them guidance. We can like come up with creative ideas together. So I think that having a community of people that have done things similar to you, that are also building something, maybe it's not similar to you, is all really important. And I think that, you know, some people go to business school. I think that's awesome. That's great. I think it would be totally fun to get to do that. Mm. We our life kind of happened before that. And so we read a bunch of books. Brienne loves podcasts. I think I listen to a few less than her, but I also love podcasts. And I think we always want to learn and do better. And I think it's like a positive and negative that we didn't know, but we're trying to always make it a positive. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think the fact that y'all are um, learning as you go, you guys, and you guys don't have like that preset knowledge. Yeah. Um, you, you get you have a very unique perspective on how to run a business and so you may have done things that people have never seen before but then it may be like the solution that's right for you as opposed to if you learned all of this from like a business school or something yeah. you guys might have taken a complete different route yeah but we've learned how to do financials and payroll and all those sorts of things oh man that, <laughs> so did that did that take a long time to learn or was it just kind of like i, I think guess... we're always learning yeah I don't know that anyone ever knows everything. And I think we just try to get better every day and learn more and do better. So hopefully we're doing okay. I'm sure we'll make more mistakes, but I don't know that we're ever done learning. And I don't know that like it's that easy to put a time frame on when we stopped or when we started or how long it took. That's a really good answer. I, I know when, when I speak to, uh, you know, a lot of just people in general and they want to like start something and they're like, oh, when, what, you know, cause then I think like with school, we, we have like a starting and stopping point. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but then when you're, when you're doing your own thing, whether you're starting your own business or working for another company, there's really, and you're doing something new, there's really no starting and stopping point for learning. And like, what are you working towards? Or do you get a break? All those things are, you kind of have to reacclimate when you enter the workforce. Yeah. What, um, may I ask you about the financials a little bit yeah. on, on like, you guys are just, you guys, um, you and Brianne own a hundred percent of your own company. You have so no We investors? raised money. We do have investors. We hmm. raised a small amount of money two and a half years ago. So nothing close to what other people have raised from like angels. And that was after, so we tried to raise money from venture capitalists. It was as women, I would say mostly in an apparel brand. It was super, super difficult. We were unable to. And then we found some people in gaming that really believed in what we were doing. And they have been incredible. I would say allies, supporters. I think they respect us for it. They respect us for our business skills and our creative skills and all of that. And they helped us raise a small round. Brian and I own a majority of a tail, to, I mean, together. And um, so we do have some investors, but since then we have not raised again. And we don't want to give up more of a tail. We want to build the business how we think is right. We want to be able to make decisions that feel right, not that get us 50 million more in revenue this year. So I think raising money, we would be set to new benchmarks. We would have to kind of scale really quickly. And to us, we really care about 
never losing product quality, about always having a really nice, awesome, and engaged community, and scaling really thoughtfully, and growing at the pace that makes sense for gaming, not at a pace that makes sense for investors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I believe one of the most... Um what do you call it criticisms of, of businesses is like and you hear this a lot when they don't listen to the community and they're doing stuff they're like oh they have yeah. to always please the the investors or the, yeah. the people like higher up right they can't just yeah. like do whatever they want but you guys are i mean i think that's we've made the decision to be that way i don't think it's the easier decision it would be a lot easier if someone gave us 10 million dollars and we didn't worry about <laughs> how we paid rent and we didn't worry about are we going to take mm -hmm. a salary next month or how are we going to pay for production or do we have the money to hire someone else part-time all of those things are huge pressures we check our bank account i think brand checks like five times a day so obviously that's great but if you take money from someone there are deliverables right they want to see yeah. us grow really quickly or they want us to sell and all those sorts of things are things we don't believe in our soul and we don't actually we're building a hundred year brand we're building the future of apparel and to do that we have to do that really thoughtfully we have to never lose product quality we have to always be authentic to the community and really be able to evolve and we've made the decision not to raise again that is our decision as of today i have no idea what the future holds but we in raising money it comes with deliverables and currently we're not um, willing to give up on what we believe in our soul for more money. Yeah, while it may not be the easiest route, I think it's way more fulfilling, do you think? I think definitely when you win and you've spent no money on marketing, it feels really awesome. I think that there's positive and negatives to every business decision and I'm really happy that we've been able to keep our quality, that we have amazing products, that we are very authentic, that we feel personal and our brand feels human so i think definitely it's been that part's been awesome yeah uh, ateo the the brand itself what you guys stand for what you um both you and brianne have been have been doing to support your community it, it, you know i i love branding it's uh something i've been into for quite a while now and seeing seeing how how you two do it it, it feels really right it, it have you um I guess, like, how did you come up with not a tale in terms the brand in terms of the the aesthetics, the name, but what it stands for? I think so. When we started a tale, Brianna and I are both like fashion designers, so graphic and visual display of brand is super important to us. And obviously, we picked colors and. Brianne made our logo and we came up with the name together. It's actually an acronym that we haven't released yet what it means. You can oh, totally guess, okay. but it hasn't been released. Um, we also, a brand isn't just that your logo is the same size everywhere, that you use these three colors. It's how it makes someone feel yes. and what your kind of North Star is as a brand and how you come up with, you know, every tweet or how you interact when you do an interview and who you give interviews to, like all those things are part of how a brand lives. And we've tried really hard. I don't know that we have like, this is what a Teo means. I think we've definitely honed in on this year, like how important to us as a brand is being human and being nice and being accessible. And I think that means that if we say we're sold out, we're sold out. If we don't, that means we have product and we'd like you, if you want to buy it, you can buy it. So I think it means that's how you can be nice. That's how you can be inclusive and welcoming. I think it also means how we speak to our customers. So I think in a variety of ways, our brand lives, but all those decisions go back to being nice, being accessible, and really pushing innovation and exceptional product. Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with you. I'm super happy you said that <laughs> because it's a, it's a variation of how, how I, of how I learned the definition of branding. Um, the definition that I subscribe to the most is that it's a gut feeling that people have about you. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously that's, how you make people feel as well a lot of people think it's the colors it's the logos it's the aesthetics right like but it's it's not it because it well there has to be more to that yeah. there has to be more to that and um the fact that y'all had a lot of thought into this and and wanting to be human wanting to be exceptional wanting to connect with people it's it's um at a level of empathy that i want to see more in esports and and it makes me so happy and excited to, to hear y'all talking about this. Well, thank you. We're always trying to learn. So that's where we are today. But thank you. Yeah. And what are, um, I, I remember you, you, you talked about your journey going into, 
into different conventions when conventions yeah. were a thing. <laughs> when they and, were a thing. Yeah, when they were a thing. Um, what what was that experience like? I think you had to like bring clothes in and you had to talk to each yeah, individual so our person. First big, I mean, we were going to gaming cafes. We went to TwitchCon. I think it was the second TwitchCon, so like three or four years ago in San Diego. And that was where we were like, this is it. Rachel's quitting her job. I think I'm not really, I can't really remember the timeline, but I believe I still had a job. Brienne was babysitting is how we were doing this because mm. we needed like one full salary. Um, and we went to TwitchCon and people loved our product. It looked totally different and we had a different name. It was like totally different, but we were like, we need to do this and we need to make it happen. And then we were like, we need to move to LA. League of Legends is based here. We can do production here. We can make all of our products in LA. It's going to be more affordable to live. We can go to Overwatch when Blizzard was still having events here. There's a bunch of colleges on the West Coast we can drive to. We can have a car, which we can't have in New York, and we have to move to LA. And we spent like the first four months like living in people's back houses and on couches and like driving. My aunt lives in North and uncle live in Northern California. So just like living out of suitcases. And then we found an apartment on Craigslist and we moved to downtown LA because it would be our office. It would be affordable um, for people not from LA. Downtown is more affordable than the West side for sure. And that was where we lived. And we lived in what would be our, in one place. And we moved to another place that was bigger. That would be our office and our home. And I think that we really were just committed to learning, to getting better. And we went to every event we could go to. We couldn't afford tickets to a lot of events. So we talk to people like oh you you cut off oh we didn't have can you hear me yes yes there we go we couldn't afford to go to all these events so we would find free events we went to so almost every weekend for like probably the first year year and a half we went to collegiate events we went to random parties and viewing parties we went to uh smaller east like gears of war and world of tanks like anything halo any game we could find a ticket online to or someone that could get us in we would go and we learned a lot and it was super exciting and then we were like building a tail in the meantime this is what i would say the definition of not like letting your ego get in the way you <laughs> you y'all Dang, that's so impressive. You just went everywhere. You did everything. You slept on yeah. people's couches. You moved <laughs> from New York to LA, which I, you know, so it depends on where you are, but arguably as expensive, same expensive, but it's still scary moving yeah. to a new place, uh, right? And and it's a it's a gamble because you're not sure if it works. You know the location is right, but you don't know how it's going to be received. And Yeah, and at that point, we oh had no investors. We had no money, and we didn't know anyone, so we were <laughs> coming. Was it... Was it um, and did you just talk to individuals when you went to these events? You were just like, hey, this is like, At what first did that we just started, look like? So we knew, like, I didn't know who were the teams in Gears 4 or World of Tank or Halo. And we would go to these events. We'd show up as early as the event started. And we would get on, sometimes there were like shuttles. Once we were on a shuttle with the team that won the Halo World Championship. And we'd be like, so why are you at this event? We would just ask anyone and everyone questions those pro players were pretty annoyed that like these random people were like <laughs> right before their match. How do I not know who they are and why am I asking them this? But we would talk to anyone. Sometimes we would just watch. Sometimes we would look at the clothes that were for sale. Um, and eventually we started to know people. If you keep going to LCS, you're going to make friends, hopefully. And yeah. so some places there are more of a community, but then others were just like once a year events that we would go to. And we would just do our best to kind of talk to people, sometimes just watch, sometimes watch how snacks were being sold, what the entrance was like, all those sorts of things, and then watch gameplay. Oh, okay, okay. I want to make a distinction here. You guys didn't really go to these events to to sell your clothing, to pitch it to people. You went there to build relationships. You I would say we in the beginning, some the first TwitchCon we brought sweatshirts and we moved to LA and we started we were redoing our sweatshirt. We were going to manufacture in LA. And yeah, we were doing research on product. I think sometimes we brought products, sometimes we did not. Mm -hmm. And we would go to like understand the community, to talk to people, to watch how players were on stage, how they walked out, like watch the gameplay, watch the team's interaction, like to really understand. Because as a designer, it's great. We all have a lot of ideas and we believe we know how things should be done. But 
we don't all know everything and it's really important to understand who you're designing for and will they wear the product? Do they want to wear the product? What are they looking for in a product? And really understanding what was the best way for us as individuals and as a brand to exist in the space. Yes, yes, yes. That's the, yeah, that's the, that's the distinction I, I wanted to make because I think people might assume that y'all just went out and just started like pitching your clothes all over the place. That's kind of like how, no. how everyone thinks that you should be doing stuff, right? Like you have something and you're just going to talk nonstop about it and you're just going to try to push it in people's faces and maybe it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the misconception. I, I like the way y'all went about it is you, you went to events um, and you studied the culture, you embraced it, you, you lived in it, you know, and you yeah, talked to people. Like- it's like our professional, but also our personal life now. Like if it's so awesome, we've met amazing friends and it's like who we hang out with when you are allowed to hang out with people. But yeah. <laughs> oh man. So what, I guess now we've kind of come full circle, huh? Is there any part of the history of Ateo that I'm, I'm missing? I think that, was... that you've got the gist that like we started outside of gaming. We did a really... We put a lot of work in trying to evolve and understand the community and be a part of the community. And I'd say we're definitely an endemic brand. And now we're just working to always do better. We're always looking to improve. And we're super excited about where gaming is headed and to Mm. have a hand in building the future of gaming. Mm. I think think for the last topic or second to last topic, since we still have some time left, I'm wondering about how you guys have popped off. It's been great. Um, And I think with that popularity comes more people approaching you, approaching Brienne uh, about, you know, like, hey, can I can I get sponsored or can I some something? I don't even know what kind of emails y'all get, but it, you know, people reaching out, wanting to work together, Mm -hmm. wanting to have you help them out. what is your approach? So people know in the future, like, what are you looking for in terms of maybe people to work with? I think we're definitely try to be accessible. If you email, we don't respond. That wasn't us being mean. We're doing our best. We obviously, we've had incredible sales and all of that, but we're definitely a small business. We don't have that much money right now. And while I would love to give every collegiate team product. I would love to sponsor every event. I've been so impressed with the collegiate space. I would love to hire every recent grad. That's just not the reality we live in. Um, I would love to have more people help us, but we want to pay people when we hire them. And when we hire someone, we take it really seriously. If we're offering your job, we're gonna be able to pay you next month. It's not like we take those things very seriously. So I think that we're, if someone wants our attention, I think that we're always looking for nice professional and something different or super creative, or, hey, this is an idea I was thinking about for Ateo, or something like that, that really makes you stick out and makes us realize like, hey, you've actually done your research about what we're building. This is how you think you add value. And then we have like a starting off point for a discussion. I think we try to be super accessible. We love to do podcasts with people. Someone just interviewed Brienne, I think for their college newspaper. So I think really being available is super important to us and if people want our attention i think we're relatively accessible yeah i i like how you mentioned you have to bring value right it's a it's a two-way street you you can't always be asking for free stuff and i know that's probably happened to you like way too many times (laughs) at this point so i I wanted to emphasize that you know you got to bring value too and it has to be a win-win situation for both parties in order to make uh, a, that's what a collaboration is. Yeah, I don't know that we need something from someone who's a college student, but I think that we're a lot more likely to entertain a longer discussion or be like, hey, we actually can't hire you full time, but we need help during holiday season. Like, are you available these three weeks? If you, if you like have an understanding of what we're building and you maybe wrote us, I don't care about like some PDF cover letter, but like you wrote a paragraph about like, you really loved this campaign we did. You also think we could have done a discord campaign with it. Just something that like means you've understood our company, you're thinking about it. And then we're definitely always happy to talk. Mm. Speaking of the holidays, uh, you know, for like kind of like a light end yeah. topic, what's the what's the plans for holidays? Do you all do anything special or? Yeah, so as an apparel brand, holiday is a big, big deal for us. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have currently with the company that made a very similar jacket to us, we got an insane amount of sales. We sold out of almost all of our product. We have like a few random sizes left. 
we have a pre-order we're working on and that will all ship before holiday. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we are doing a holiday supply drop, which we're super excited about. I can't say what's in it yet, but our supply drops, you get a tail product and it comes unique to whatever the theme of that supply drop is. And we try to, as I mentioned, answer what people are looking for, what we would like to receive, what other people have given feedback on. So we have a holiday supply drop. And we also are working on relaunching women's wear. So while all of our products are unisex, we feel really strongly that women also can have products specifically designed for women. And we launched product about a year and a half ago, and we'll be bringing it back this fall slash holiday season um, as well. Nice. Yeah. And is there anything else that you want to personally speak about for the last 10 minutes that you feel very strongly about? Gaming is evolving. There is a ton of opportunity. And I think that often, if we're talking to a collegiate space, I think that having something you do, I think that we had fashion and then we learned gaming. I think there's people that love gaming, but also want to be a chef or want to be a physical therapist or there's just so many things that the industry needs to go forward, jobs, et cetera, that I don't think wanting to work in gaming has to be like the end of your goal. And I think that people that really have something else or something they're bringing in a sense, like to the ecosystem is awesome. And you're going to be very desired if you speak Korean and English, if you also are a youth counselor. I don't know what the thing is, but I think that really understanding that this ecosystem isn't just pro players and working for a team. There's a lot of other jobs. There's a lot of opportunity and finding something and then seeing, does it kind of work within the gaming ecosystem is a great route. Mm. And any shout outs and um, <laughs> go ahead and do, you know, your all your plugs. You should join our discord, but you can follow us at Ateo underscore on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Rachel Lipstick, and Brienne is Brienne HP on Twitter. And you can DM us, ask us questions. We love to learn more about people that are interested in what we've built or in us. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming on to the of show. Of course. This has Thanks been, for having me. It's been super enlightening. And, oh, uh, awesome. I, I loved hearing your story. Oh, my gosh. I've been watching Thank a lot you. of Shark Tank. Oh. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just something to binge. And I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, I hear your story. So thank yes. you. Well, of course, it was a pleasure. We're always happy to talk. That concludes this episode of the Hansei Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed Rachel's story and have become inspired to work on your passions as well. If you like this podcast, please consider following on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you all in the next episode.